Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Monday, August 22, 2022. Sudan military authorities have declared a state of emergency in six states. Some bloodfields have been damaged completely and have been polluted with the floods. And commuters in the South Sudanese capital, Juba, are complaining about high transport fares. Can you budget yourself with this and then by the time you reach, uh, you reach the place of boarding, you find things have increased. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Sudanese authorities have declared a state of emergency in six of the country's 18 states after heavy rains caused floods, killing at least 80 people and displacing thousands of families over the past few weeks. Sudan's social development minister says the whole country could be declared a disaster area if the rainfall continues over the next two months. Michael Atit reports for VOA from Khartoum. The Sudanese government declared a state of emergency in the states mostly affected by the floods, River Nile, Jazeera, White Nile, Kassala, Sinar, and South Darfur. Sudanese military leader Abdul Fattah al-Burhan visited the affected areas of Al-Managil locality in Al-Jazeera state, where about nine villages are surrounded by flood water, and as many as 30,000 people have been affected by the floods. Speaking to the media yesterday during his visit to White Nile and Al-Jazeera states, Al-Burhan expressed his solidarity with the families affected by the floods and called for the national and international support for them. Al-Burhan says he regrets that over the past three years, many services for the public have deteriorated. We have seen the canals that lead to Al Jazeera scheme and the White Nile sugarcane scheme. They have completely been neglected in the past years. There was no regular drainage exercise, therefore all the channels were blocked. The main roads have no bridge and all the other infrastructure have been affected in the past years. The Sudanese National Council for Civil Defense says up to 80 have died in the floods and more than 30 injured, while 17,000 homes have been destroyed, with nearly 24,000 more badly damaged. A large number of shops and facilities also were destroyed. The Sudanese Meteorological Authority warned that sudden floods could hit most of the Sudanese states, calling for caution, especially in low-lying areas. Speaking to Al-Hadda's TV channel last night, the spokesperson for Sudanese Civil Defense Council, Colonel Abdul Jalil Abdul Rahim, described the floods as a disaster, appealing for urgent support for the victims most affected. He called on families to move to higher land and to minimize risk. Some bloodfields have been damaged completely and have been polluted with the floods. People need to avoid constructing in these areas. They should move to highlands in schools and other allocated gathering sites for hosting the affected families so that they are able to get proper services. The Sudanese Minister for Social Development, Ahmed Adam Bakhid, says if the heavy rains continues over the coming weeks, the situation will worsen nationwide. 
تقارير الارصاد الجوي و reports of the meteorological authority in the country indicate that the rain will continue for the next two months these two months contain a lot of incidents therefore there is a possibility of declaring the whole country as a natural disaster and flood area the rainy season usually runs from june through september Last year, more than 80 people were killed and thousands of houses and property, including livestock and agricultural lands, were destroyed in floods. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, or UNOCHA, says nearly 150,000 people across 14 states have been affected by heavy rains and flooding since the start of the rainy season. The UN Humanitarian Coordinator for Sudan, Eddie Rao, said on a World Humanitarian Day last week that humanitarian needs are at all-time high in Sudan. The statement said about 14.3 million people need assistance in 2022. The Central Committee of Sudan Doctors warned that lack of proper sanitation and power outages could worsen the health situation in the flooded areas. The committee called on the affected state governments to recognize that there is a health and environmental disaster declared a state of emergency and direct all state budgets to address the health and humanitarian situation. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. Still in Sudan, the Prosecutor General of the International Criminal Court, Karim Khan, is visiting Sudan's war-torn region of Darfur. He started his week-long trip on Sunday in Niala, the capital of South Darfur State. Sudanese state media Suna reported that Khan's delegation arrived in Khartoum on Saturday evening and met with Sudan's Acting Justice Minister, Mohamed Saeed Al-Hidu. The high-ranking official promised full cooperation with the court in order to achieve justice for alleged war crimes committed in Darfur. This is Khan's second visit to Sudan since he succeeded former ICC prosecutor Fatou Bansouda in April 2021. Both Khan and his predecessor, Bansouda, signed a memorandum of understanding with Sudanese authorities. The MOU would facilitate the gathering of evidence to prosecute war crimes and crimes against humanity committed in Darfur between 2001 and 2003. In April, the ICC began the first trial of Ali Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, also known as Ali Kosheb, a former Darfur-based militia leader who is accused of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Former Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir and two high-ranking officials in his previous government are also among those indicted by the court. The United Nations estimates that around 300,000 people were killed in the Darfur conflict and some 2.5 million people displaced. A delegation from South Sudan's government is in Khartoum to meet with Sudanese officials as part of monitoring the implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement and to engage in other bilateral relations between the two countries. President Salva Kiir's security advisor, who is leading the delegation, says his group is also in Khartoum to invite Sudan's military leader, Abdul Fattah al-Burhan, for the graduation of the unified forces, which is scheduled to take place late this month. Michael Atid reports for VOF. 
President Salva Kiir's advisor, Tut Galwag, and his delegation, composed of senior South Sudanese government officials, arrived in Khartoum Sunday afternoon. The group was received at Khartoum International Airport by a member of Sudan's Sovereign Council, General Shamsuddin Al-Kabashi. Speaking to reporters at the airport, Galwag said the delegation is in Khartoum to follow up on the status of the implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement. The deal was signed between the Sudanese authorities and various armed groups under the umbrella of Sudan Revolutionary Front. Galwak says the South Sudanese government and the people remain concerned about the political situation in Sudan and says that there is a need for urgent political settlement among different forces to save the country and to put back in place a proper government structure. We came to assess bilateral issues between the two countries, including the peace implementation of the two countries. Our president would also like to know the current political situation in Sudan. We want to see that there is an inclusive Sudanese to Sudanese dialogue. It is important to see all parties reach a political consensus because we are concerned about the stability in Sudan. President Salva Kiir mediated and hosted talks between the Sudanese government and an umbrella of nine armed groups known as Sudan Revolutionary Front. The two parties agreed and signed what is known as the Juba Peace Agreement in October 2020. Galwak played a key role in bringing the parties together as a chief negotiator. He says they are also in Khartoum to brief Sudanese authorities about the progress made about the peace implementation process in South Sudan. He says President Kiir has invited Al-Burhan to attend the ceremony of the graduation of unified forces as required by the revitalized peace deal. But Galwa could not disclose the date for the graduation. We have extended the period of the South Sudan Peace Agreement and we are about to graduate the first batch of these unified forces. We are here to deliver the, the invitation letter to the head of the Sovereign Council, Al-Burhan, who is also the current chair of IGAD and as one of the guarantors of the implementation of the South Sudan's peace agreement. Last month, South Sudanese partners in the transitional government agreed to extend the period of the revitalized agreement for another 24 months to allow other provisions to be implemented. Galwak and his delegation members are expected to meet with the various Sudanese political parties and the trilateral mechanism of the UN, African Union and IGAD to acquaint themselves with the implementation of the political settlement in the country. For VOA News, I am Michael Atid in Khartoum. Police in the Jongule state capital Borsei, three leaders of the state workers' union who were detained a week ago have escaped from detention. The Jongule State Police Commissioner says the suspects escaped from a restaurant in one of the town's markets where they were escorted to eat by a police officer, adding that four police personnel who were on duty that day are being interrogated. Deng Deng reports for VOA from Bor. The three men arrested were the Jongle State Workers Trade Union Chairman David Mayending, the Union Secretary General Samuel Majerloj, and the leader of the Teachers Union Ruben Matiop Mayol. Police say they arrested the three leaders after the State Security Committee accused the officials of illegally mobilizing people to demonstrate. Last week, their relatives confirmed that their loved ones have gone missing from the detention facility. Nyangong Loch. 
The wife of Samuel Majerloch said she was shocked to learn her husband was missing from the police detention facility where she used to bring him food. Gerald Costa talks about the arrest of the suspects and their disappearance. The security committee of the state came out with resolution to arrest them because they are doing it in illegally, illegally way, not legally. <coughs> so we as the police, we write to public prosecutor for the arresting, then they approve it to arrest them and open a case against them, police station and uh, for investigation. Mm. Before the investigation uh, end or finish, so the one of our officers took them to the market for for food. Then from there, they ran from him. Article 25 of South Sudan Transitional Constitution recognizes and guarantees the right to peaceful assembly. When asked why the police would arrest those exercising their constitutional rights, General Costa says it was because the three did not seek permission from the police ahead of their protests. General Costa says he has ordered the search and rearrest of the three escapees. If somebody is arrested, there is a procedure investigation. He has a right for bill or to take him to the court. So to run like that, it is another crime, which will open a case against them also. So that one will not help them. Uh, if, they, if they know themselves they are not guilty, they will not run. But uh, that one shows that they are guilty, so that is why they run. But it's better for them to come and hand themselves for the police. So the procedure goes on as uh, before. You take them to the court. The court is the one which will judge them. Either, either they are guilty or not guilty. It is not our responsibility again. Costa says the police who are in charge of the three men are being questioned. Those people who are responsible for it, we as the police, we took the administrative measure against them. We suspend them. We took them in a... We take them to detention or more investigation how they run from them. Ibrahim Diu, the spokesperson of the Jonglei State Workers Trade Union, says many union members are worried about the safety of the three escapees. Diu says civil servants will continue their strike and will stage another demonstration to demand the release of their leaders. The wife of Samuel Majerloch, the detained Secretary General, last week threatened to sue top Jonglei government officials if the location of her husband is not disclosed. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, we bring to you the latest in Kenya's disputed elections. Stay tuned. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today What is the best way to introduce change? You have to educate. Education is the key factor to change. Without education, people will resist. You have to educate the person. You have to educate people on the situation on ground, the implication of that situation. And if the change is to come in, what impact is that change going to create? The best way to introduce change is to understand the change. And you try to educate the people on what change is all about. 
I think just go right ahead and do it because there are always people who don't really like change and there are also always people who like change and they're conducive to change. And so I think there's always going to be that one person who's like, no, I don't like this, it's different. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Some commuters in South Sudan's capital, Juba, are complaining about high transportation fares after fuel prices more than tripled. Students say they can't afford public taxes to get to school. For VOA News, Viola Elias files from Juba. Irene Wilson, who travels from her home to the custom market by taxi, says she can no longer afford the fares. In regards to the fare... From, from my home to custom, currently we pay 250 Then from custom market to the workplace, we're paying 300 That is for only coming and then going back the same. At first, from my home to custom, we're paying 150 And then from custom to my workplace, we're paying 200 uh, Basically, the instability in the pricing you find uh, you budget yourself with this and then by the time you reach uh, you reach the place of boarding you find things have increased the price of a liter of petrol has jumped to 1000 south sudanese pounds from 300 pounds two months ago because the depreciation of pounds joseph madwood a student at the university of juba says the high fares have hurt students i got the transport it's very expensive, not like before. It is actually expensive due to the increment in this prices for fuel. Like you cannot afford for transport. You cannot afford uh, traveling at home and then going to the campus. Because uh, at the campus, there are also other requirements. Uh, for instance, you, you need to produce your copies, the handout, and then also you need for transport here. So you cannot really manage to cover it up all with the little that you have. Jackson David, a resident of Juba's Lemongaba neighborhood, says the money he spends to commute every month is more than his monthly salary. David, who works in Juba town, says in the past he paid less than 500 South Sudanese pounds. Nowadays, David says he spends more than 1,000 pounds in fares every day. You find that this uh, most, uh, this uh, taxi drivers, they don't uh, reduce anymore. They don't come down. They, they, they keep that price till they wait another one. Uh, the fuel crisis come and then they also increases. Every citizen of this country have a message that the government should do something in order to at least control and help these people. But now sometimes uh, we as a normal citizen of this country, uh, you, you find that uh, it becomes useless for us to continue telling people that uh, oh we need this uh, we need service oh people are suffering drivers and public transportation operators says they had no choice but to increase fares after prices for petrol and diesel soared hussein Almakin, who drives a taxi from munuki to konyokonyo market says now he spends 2,000 South Sudanese pounds to buy 20 liters of petrol. He says the high cost of fuel is in his profits marking. This issue has affected us more, especially when they increase petrol from 7,000 pounds to 8,000 pounds to 10,000 pounds and then 15,000 pounds. As we speak, 20 liter of petrol is sold at 20,000 and at the same time, the owner of the car needs 15,000 then you put aside 20,000 for petrol. 
at the end of the day, we get 35,000, and after dividing all the cost, you remain with maybe 5,000 pounds. Mohammed Abdullahi, another taxi driver, says taxi drivers normally lose money when there is a sharp increase in fuel prices. This increase in tax fare has reduced the movement of people because most of them think the tax fare is too much for them. Even drivers realize that this tax fare is too much for common citizens. So drivers decided that even the petrol station owners increased the fuel prices by hundreds. We shouldn't be like them. Fuel dealers say the increase in prices is the result of the local currency losing value against the U.S. dollars. The South Sudan pounds started losing value in June. The Bank of South Sudan's suspension of loans to South Sudan from the World Bank and IMF was the main reason for the depreciation of the pounds. About two months ago, one U.S. dollar traded for about 400 South Sudanese pounds. Today, one dollar is worth 650 South Sudanese pounds on the black market. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias in Juba. Kenya's former Prime Minister Raila Odinga is today petitioning a case in the Supreme Court to challenge the August 9th general election. Odinga and his coalition party Oziomo La Umoja won Kenya says they won the presidential elections and were denied victory. Kenya's electoral body declared Deputy President William Ruto president-elect. Moreno Giambo reports for VOA. The Azimio La Umoja One Kenya Coalition Party is headed to the Supreme Court today. It will begin the legal process of challenging the presidential results of the August 9th general elections. Speaking in Nairobi Sunday, the coalition's presidential candidate, former Prime Minister Ilodinga, said they won the vote and that they will not reconcile with their opponents until the court rules on the matter. Later, Bishop Desmond Tutu said that without truth, there can be no justice. Without justice, there can be no peace. Without peace, there can be no reconciliation. There will be no reconciliation, there will be no peace. There will be no justice until truth is known. And truth is going to be known because we already know it ourselves, and we are going to show it wide and open, starting tomorrow. The coalition says that the just-concluded general election is far from over, as they are trusting the judiciary to deliver justice on their complaint. Odinga's deputy presidential candidate Martha Karua said that they will not relent until the Supreme Court gives rules on the matter. At the same time, Wiper Democratic Party leader Kalonzo Musioka condemns the postponement of the vote in five electoral seats across the country amid claims of IEBC staff intimidation. He terms it unfair treatment. This general election is not over because what is happening in Mombasa, in Kakamega, and the four constituencies clearly tells Kenyans, and it has never happened before. I've actually run for election many times in our country. I've never seen a situation where the, the body charge, the responsibility of conducting a general election ends up shortchanging the whole country. On the other hand, the Kenya Kwanzaa Alliance, led by President-elect William Ruto, says their win will be upheld. Ruto says their competitors have maintained peace since election results were announced. I truly appreciate that the people of Mount Kenya have taken me as one of their sons. They've stood by me through thick and thin, and they have changed the politics of our country and buried ethnicity in the governance of Kenya. According to the Kenyan Constitution, 
a petition challenging the presidential election results should be filed within seven days from the declaration of the results by the electoral body. Thereafter, the Supreme Court will determine the petition within 14 days from the day it was filed. Odinga rejected the presidential results that declared Ruto the winner. He accused the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission, IEBC, of violating the constitution and electoral laws. Today is the last day for anyone who wants to challenge the presidential election to present their petition. Reporting for viewers, I am Moreno Jumbo in Nairobi, Kenya. Campaigning in Angola's August 24 parliamentary and presidential election is in its final days. The two main parties are the ruling popular movement for the liberation of Angola, MPLA, led by President Jawa Lorenko, and the National Union for the Total Independence of Angola, UNITA, led by Adalberto Costa Jr. Meanwhile, the country is mourning the death of longtime President Eduardo dos Santos, whose body arrived in the country over the weekend. Myra Ferdinandez of VOA's Portuguese service is in Luanda covering Wednesday's elections. She tells VOA's James Betty, Angolans are yearning for change. People are excited about the election. They are also tense. They've been talking about their main concerns and what they want to see changed in the country. There's also the fear of fraud. Again, the civil society has been uh, bringing this uh, question throughout these days. The national observers also, they are very afraid of uh, mechanisms to make uh, these votes kind of not count. In the past week or so, they've came up with this campaign that is called voting and seating that um, is asking voters after they vote to stay close by the polling stations and make sure that nobody does anything out of the ordinary. People in general, especially the youth, they are very engaged. They are really hoping for something to change after the 24th. Myra, what do voters think about the campaigns or the candidates, particularly in these days of economic uh, severity? The main issues are health, education, and unemployment. Health is one of the biggest problems that Angola always had. Most of the parties very heavy program on health. Jean Lorenzo is signing with UNITA for the parliament. And that's why this uh, election feels so competitive. This would be the first election without the shadow or without the former president, President Dos Santos, who ruled the country for 38 years. His body was returned to Angola over the weekend. What impact do you think uh, this might have on Wednesday's election? Uh, That's a very interesting question, James. I did talk with people about it, and actually it's not. At least with the people that I've talked with, they don't feel that this is something that would change their minds when they go to the polls on the 24th. They actually feel a bit offended by the fact that this is being done in such a rush manner with almost no official ceremonies. Also, people have now in mind two issues. After voting, they have to prepare themselves for a funeral. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. 
Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we have for you this Monday. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Should be not this kind of things where they make man see ya. And me, I understand, so you're done, no, like me, See me, I won't make you know, say me, devil, you gotta. And if not, you price me, that's the way I go, see ya. I never tell you for nothing. This love will make you give me the time. side of sports. Great show, bro. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Prince Nesta kicks off Monday's show with the weekend highlights in the major European club football leagues. Sporty greetings, Prince. 